Welcome to the Testimony Podcast, people of faith telling the stories that matter from their lives. I'm your host, Andrew Chamberlain, and I'm delighted that you can join us for this conversation. You can subscribe to the Testimony Podcast on all of the major podcast distributors and follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast and Instagram at TestimonyPodcast. Welcome to episode 18 of the Testimony Podcast. My guest for this episode is someone who has spent nearly 20 years faithfully pursuing what seems like an impossible task. He is following a calling from God to build a piece of public art in England that will be a visible demonstration of God's answers to prayer. The Eternal Wall of Answered Prayer, or Eternal Wall as it's referred to, is designed in the shape of a Mobius band, an infinity loop that will stand over 50 metres tall and contain over a million bricks. And each of those bricks will represent an answered prayer and visitors to the Eternal Wall will be able to access the story for each prayer and search also for answered prayers on different themes and issues. So who is the guy behind this project? What are the challenges he's had to overcome? And how has Jesus been his companion on this journey? And what lessons has Jesus taught my guest along the way? Now, these are important questions for a man who believes that the journey we take as we seek God in prayer is actually more important than the answers we receive. That man is Richard Gamble, and this is his story. Richard, welcome to the Testimony Podcast. It's great to have you as my guest today. I'm really looking forward to having a chat with you about your life and some of the amazing things that you're getting up to at the moment. So start by um, asking if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you grew up, how you came to faith, how you've got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Worcester boy, born and bred. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't raised in a Christian household and... Um, and, and unusually for people of my age, I wasn't christened either. Okay. And I was 11 years old when my journey began because uh, I was, I used to stay over at my nan's house on a Wednesday night. And this sounds, this sounds a bit disturbing now, actually, now I look at it in the fullness of, <laughs> fullness of the day. But, but my nan, um, we were in this like little terrace and the people next door were having a bit of a domestic Okay, and she was like, "Oh, look, look at this!" And she showed me how you, you know, lick lick the sort of edge of a glass and stick it on the wall, and you can hear the conversation. So my nan taught me how to listen in on this domestic at the age of eleven years old. And I went home. I thought, "Well, I'll give this a try," you know, and um, put the glass on the wall to hear hear what my mum and dad were saying. And um, it turned out my mum was saying that she thought that she might have cancer and had to go into hospital for a checkup. Right. And not coming from in any way a spiritual background, but I just um, went to my bed, you know, knelt by my bed, put my hands together and said, prayed and said, God, will you look after my mum? Which, which he did. But, but what happened in that moment and it's very difficult to describe, but what happened was I just felt like God was there. Mm. It was almost like I had this sense of this hand being around me going, it's going to be all right. And, and so from that point onwards, I always believed in God. And if ever, you know, as a, as a teenager, you're in those conversations, I'd always be saying, yeah, I believe in God. But, but my life didn't particularly match up. And it was only, um, and, I, and I'd gone, I sort of 
from time to time sort of went to the occasional church meeting, just rocked up to see what it was all about. And I remember every time just coming away thinking, oh, that's, that doesn't feel real to me, you know. And then, um, and then I was at the age of 20, I was invited to go to a church and I was like, yeah, okay. And, uh, and when, I, when I got there, the way people were singing, I was like, this is real to them. This is, this is different from what I've experienced. Mm. And then I felt that same feeling that I felt when I was 11 years old. Just that sense of God putting his arm around me going, it's going to be all right. And so, and so afterwards, this, this lad came up to me and just said, look, you know, do you want to go out to the pub tonight? I was like, yeah, sure. And then after a couple of pints of cider, he shared the gospel with me. And for me, that was a no-brainer. That was a, yep, I didn't really need much persuading. It was like, okay, that's what it says in the Bible. That's that's what I'll do. And That was it then. That was, you kind of signed up there and then kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No no hard sell necessary. Right. And uh, but and that's sort of been quite a a motivator in my in my life, Andrew, because I you know, from the from the age of eleven, nobody had you know not had not heard the gospel from anybody, and so and so I'm like, why did I have to go all that time without anybody sharing the gospel with me? So I think I think that has that has formulated me somewhat, and um, and at the time, then twenty years old, just starting on a graduate scheme at British Gas, and I just felt I need to. I need to go to Bible college, and I just gave it up and 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 spent a couple of years studying at Bible college, and that sort of set me off on a on a track, really. Okay, uh, can you tell us about the church that you went to when you were twenty, and where you felt actually, yeah, this this does work for me? Yeah, it was it was a happy clappy, so it was a you know it was it was in a cinema, okay, and uh, you know swinging from the rafters sort of stuff. And uh, and so it was, yeah, very very charismatic church. Okay. And and uh, you know that that in itself has been an interesting journey for me because you know I went to Bible college and then helped to to lead and plant some churches. Mm. And it was only when I got into sports chaplaincy that I started to discover that there were other churches outside of what we were doing. Yeah. And they thought differently about a lot of things. That was a real eye-opener for me, okay. really. I remember I remember a Methodist guy, never come across a Methodist before in my life. And you're very judgmental, aren't you, when you're younger? And I remember just thinking, oh, gosh, you, you don't know what it's about. you know. <laughs> and then at one point he prayed, and I thought, gosh, I've never prayed like that in my life. Yeah. He, he, he knows a lot more than me. And it um when I was when I was sort of uh so I was heading up this I was chaplain for Leicester City Football Club for a few years and then I headed up a charity called Sports Chaplaincy UK that uh appoints chaplains into professional and amateur clubs. And that was a real game changer for me because it it started to introduce me to Christians from all from the broad church and and was a game changer because I realised that every different element of the church has got something to offer. Mm. It's a real, um, it's like it's a real lesson we all learn, isn't it? I guess I, I, I think back to like I, I didn't come come 
particular Christian family and I came to faith. I was about 18 and I probably spent two or three years thinking I knew everything about the faith and that I'd come to faith. <laughs> so through quite a charismatic route was like, so the right way. And what did anybody else know? And then I got, you know, and God taught me a few lessons about actually there's quite a few other people who do things in different ways and they might know a thing or two as well. And it might be good to listen and learn from them. Okay, so God spoke to you when you were younger and God spoke to you and engaged with you when you were a little bit older. Are there other ways that you can tell us about how maybe you felt God has been with you or, or Christ has been your companion in your life, maybe in you know good times or difficult times? Yeah, I, I think um, I think one of the defining a defining journey for me was when I was when I was 17 years old, I started to experienced some back pains and and stomach pains okay. and um I, I thought it was all connected i was a was a cross-country runner i thought it was all connected to that and then it it, it steadily got worse mm. and it was only when i was about 25 it was a bit of a shock really because i just thought i had muscles that were just out of space place or stuff like that uh, but it was when I was, I think it was about 25, and I got diagnosed with a, a condition called ankylosing spondylitis, which basically fuses the, the vertebrae in your spine together and destroys the cartilage and the bone grows over and you sort of become, become hunchback, very painful. And, and of course, being brought up in a tradition which is very much, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know, the victories in him, et cetera, et cetera. It was then really difficult to be prayed for and nothing happened. Yeah. You know, and and that journey of being prayed for, nothing happened, being prayed for, going to a healing meeting, nothing happened, and almost getting to the point of being comfortable with it, being comfortable with the disease, and getting to the point of not wanting anybody to pray for me. Hmm. and um i then i then had a bit of a turnaround where i was like right i'm gonna you, you know the, the bit in the word where it says um you know blessed are blessed are the children i i i always think jesus likes us to approach him as a child without any baggage from the past so i started to go right do you know what i'm gonna do every time there's an opportunity for healing i'm gonna go for it whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to, I'm going to go believing naively that today's the day Yeah. and just kept hammering away on that. And then there was a, there was a bit in the scriptures um, around Joseph, which really struck me as well in that, in that time where you read the story of Joseph and it's just like, Oh my word, this guy's had such a tough gig, hasn't he? He had such a tough gig. Everything's gone wrong. And there he is in prison. He's he's interpreted some dreams and some people have just forgotten about him. And then the next time the person says, I've, I've had a dream. And Joseph says, I can interpret dreams. And what really got to me on that is like, you, he had a dream right at the beginning. And you'd imagine him at that point going, Mate, I thought I could interpret dreams, but I am absolutely rubbish, you know. But he doesn't. He says, I can interpret them, which says to me, incredible faith. 
he was still believing in that no matter how dark it was, he was still believing in the dream that God had given him in the beginning. Mm. And, and so I sort of took that really for the disease and just like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to believe this, whatever. I know that God wants to heal me. And then I went to a, um, went to a GP for the, for the sort of the annual checkup. And by this point it's pretty bad. I mean, I'm, I'm having to lie down regularly in the day. Mm. I would not be able to play with my kids for, for long without my back hurting. I sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night and my, my rib cage would go into spasm and I'd not be able to breathe, uh, which is a horrible feeling. I felt like it went on for ages. It was probably only about 10 seconds, but blokes exaggerate, don't they? And it felt like it ate. <laughs> and um, the doctor said this thing to me. He said, uh, he said, Mr. Gamble, we can give you medication to slow this down. He said, but really your, your back is like a car in a traffic jam and we can slow it down, but one day the car's going to get to the end of the road and then you're stuffed. And I just came out really angry, really angry. And I was like, I am not going to let the word of an expert overrule the word of God. And so I started praying just simply, Lord, will you stop the car? Will you stop the car? And uh, Maybe a few weeks later, went to another healing meeting, probably healing meeting number 252, you know. And, um, and of course, they always have words of knowledge about backs, don't they, these meetings. It's a, it's a go-to. <laughs> and, but this guy uh, sort of described my condition. And, uh, and I went forward for prayer. And he said, you know, do you mind if I pour some oil down your back? And I was like, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, do, do whatever, you know. Yeah. ruined the shirt but uh you know and um so he, he he prayed for me and i just felt this heat go through my spine and uh i just knew i was healed and then i think about a month maybe two months after that i had an mri scan and the doctor sat down with me and went mr gamble you know that the disease has stopped now i'm not i'm not sprinting about now like a spring chicken um, you know, that was that was about 12, 14 years ago. There are still days where I get occasional little pain and it, it feels like something that I have to fight with and just go, no, wait a second, God's healed this back. I'm not allowing this. Mm. You know, I have to sort of contend for it. But, you know, I think that built in with built into me a longevity and, and a patience. Mm. that God will heal me at the right time. Mm. Mm. And, and I hope it encourages people when they hear that story because you can just feel like God's forgotten you. Mm. You just feel like, well, and, and the really, really interesting thing was there were a couple of other guys who also had ankylosing spondylitis and they were called Richard and they got healed. And I'm like, God, what's going on here? I've even got the same disease. I've got the same name. Why are you not healing me? And and one of the things that I learned was that I wasn't coming across those people for God to go, you know, make me feel bad. God was actually showing me that he could do it for them and then he could do it for me. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. So uh, so that event that you discussed was about 12, 14 years ago, that, that moment. Yeah. 
And I mean, yeah, it's it's it, it's in what you're saying because a lot of the people I talk to will they'll talk about a time of contention uh, with something, getting angry with a circumstance, or feeling feeling sometimes forsaken by God. Uh, yeah. But it's, it sounds like you kind of have pushed through that. Um, you know, not and it's been hard, but you have got through that and to a place of trusting in him and, and just just being being having faith in what God can do for you. Yeah, I think I think it I don't want to I don't want to um paint a picture that sort of says, you know, it was superb and I battled through and it was, you know, because there were times when I just wanted to give up. Yeah. 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 And there are times that I probably did, you know, and, and, and when I say times, you know, we're probably talking seasons of months. And then there were other times like, come on, come on, you got to fight this. You got to fight it. Yeah. And the, the challenge is, and it's a big challenge is that it starts to become part of your identity. You know, the, the, the disease sort of owns you. And particularly when people, every time you see them, oh, how's your back doing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there was this one really faithful couple. I remember sitting down with them and going, do you know, I'm just, I'm fed up of talking about my back. I'm just, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. And they, they just said, um, a couple called Stefan and Diana Ruig, and they just said, Rich, we're going to pray for you till you're healed. And we didn't talk about it. Mm. They just faithfully, mm. faithfully prayed. And I, I do believe that they were part of the breakthrough. Mm. Mm. And, and, and so I think it's important to find those incredible warriors if you've got, if you've got something long-term like that, yeah. for people to battle with you and battle on your behalf. Yeah. Because there are times where you're just like, I want to change the record. I want to, I want to pray about something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are there any other uh, instances, examples, circumstances you can tell us about where you feel God has been a companion in you and some stuff that you've been doing or having to work through at all? Yeah, I, I, I suppose the um, the biggest for me, and, and it's re- I know we're going to talk about it later, you know, the, the project I'm involved in, which is building this national landmark called Eternal War. And um you know, it's been, it's been a whole faith journey from beginning to end. But there was this one moment for me when it was very early days in the project and we were presenting to a parliamentary reception. I've got MPs and national press and all of that. And, and I'm doing the big vision casting sort of thing. And I remember at this time, like a little voice in my ear sort of going, do you know what? This is just pure fantasy. You haven't got any money. You don't know what you're doing. And you've got no land. And um, just pure fantasy. And I remember those words sort of rattling in my head while these people are firing questions at me. And uh, I think part of my journey to do this has been one of utter naivety. I mean, I really have had no idea what I was letting myself in for. And, you know, to build, you know, we're building this monument that pushes the laws of engineering and I don't even know how to put a shelf up. You know, I'm the most DIY person you can meet. But I suppose for me, it's always been, and my wife and I have had this rule, if we believe God said to do something, we just do it. 
we don't try and count it up and work out what will happen. We're like, let's just do it and then work it out as we go. And that's what it's been like for Eternal Wall. And in my mind, I thought, do you know what? Piece of land, maybe £20,000, that'll be enough to buy a piece of land. <laughs> I was a few million out. And, uh, and, and uh, so, so after this parliamentary reception, at that point, I'm really praying, please, God, can you give me a piece of land? And I'm, um, I, I spent, and I've, not, I've only done this a few times in my life, but I spent a few nights of prayer just walking up a hill in Leicestershire, deer running around me in the night and just praying, Lord, please give me the land, please give me the land. And I, I had a sense from him, you know, it's done, chill out. But I just found that really hard because yeah. I'm like, well, I've got no evidence of that. No. And then, um, then I was invited to a conference uh, in the States where this um, uh, a conference in uh, Bethel in California, Reading, and uh, that nobody knew what we were doing. And they have these like prophetic rooms. I don't know if you've heard of them. I mean, they're proper weird. <laughs> I think you sort of go in. It's like a GP appointment. Room. You've got eight minutes. Okay. And they prophesy over you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, anyway, this person prophesied and just said, "God wants you to know He's got some heavenly land for you," which was incredible. And then we went back, and um, I shared that with my team, and they said. And they and one of them said, "Well, if God's got the land, then we're going to we're going to uh, ask him where it is." Which fair enough. Sort of makes sense. I thought it was like, "Well, oh, yeah, okay." <laughs> and the, the journey then is because I, I what I'm trying to do is not just share the, the the story, which is amazing, but but what it was like for me personally on that. Because so you've got somebody who said, "Well, I'm going to find out where it is." But what do you do then? Do you just sit back and wait or do you carry on with what you were planning to do? And I was like, well, I feel like I've got to do the other. So we started getting a company to, to um, we, we were uh, organising them to basically look across the UK to try and find a piece of land by a motorway. Mm. And we're like in that process. And then I get this email from this lady saying, you know, I've prayed and I believe this is the land. And she sent me a map with this piece <laughs> of land circled. And you sort of click on it, you open it, like, oh, gosh, what's this going to be, you know? But when I clicked on it, I was like, wow, because the person who owned that land had asked to meet with me two weeks previously. Wow. And she didn't and know. So. She didn't know, no. And, and my, I thought I was going to meet this guy to ask him for money. But of course, that then changed the nature of the meeting for me. Yeah. So, so I went in and sort of did my vision casting and blah blah blah, and he sort of stony faced as <laughs> these people are who own land, and uh, and then at the end of it, he then he then told me that uh, I'd had the vision seventeen years ago, seventeen and a half years ago, he'd started a trust fund of which one of the aims was to build a national landmark about Jesus, which is incredible. Wow. And, and I suppose at that moment, you get in the car after that and you just utter elation 
you have that moment of like, oh, my word, God, I've been praying for this. And yet you'd already set the wheels in motion before you'd even given me the vision. Yes. I mean, I find that just incredible in terms of the timing. Now, I didn't, I didn't tell him about the woman that circled the land because I didn't want to influence his decision or manipulate him. But then he came back and said, yeah, we've decided to give you some land. And so you're like, yeah. But here's the interesting thing. He gives me a, another piece, a different piece of land than the one circled. Okay. So, so what do you do then? <laughs> you can't sort of go, well, wait, God's what, what's happening here? What's happening here? And the word, I went back to the word that she gave me, and it was like, either this is the land or the person who owns it is highly significant. So I thought, well, you're still giving me a 10-acre piece of land. Yeah, yeah. And we all went down. We were all excited, and the team went down, and we prayed for it. And people were burying Bibles on the land and all that sort of stuff. And crazy, off-the-wall, what's-going-on-here stuff. But then I get a phone call from him, and this is like six months later, saying, yeah, I can't give you that land anymore. And, and for me at the time, the whole project's about momentum. Yeah. I'm like, oh, gosh, I've just lost six months' momentum. Straight into prayer, God, what's that? what is that about? not particularly getting any answers. And then he gave us another piece of land and then that didn't work. And then he gave another piece of land and then that that looked like it was going to be okay. So then we start the process again. And this time we go further. We, we, we scan the land, we bring in, we bring in architects, all of that. And then I get a phone call from him. So this is like another six months down the road going, I'm really sorry. But same thing's happened. I can't give you that land anymore. And, and again, I just remember staying up all night and praying and just like, Father, can you just explain to me what's happening? I know you're in this. I know you're on it, but I just don't understand. And I think, I think what I got in that time was just a piece you know, just spending time in his presence just gave me that peace that it was going to be okay, which is really helpful when you're having conversations. Those conversations are not fueled by stress or by fear. Mm, mm. Anyway, he he uh, he then paid an architect to look at the portfolio of land that he had in the Midlands and to come up with the best piece, which was guess where where the lady had circled two years previously and yeah and, and so for me that is a that is a in my journey that's like a pivotal moment yeah you couldn't you couldn't make that up you couldn't make it up and there's there's a um, even just to put like the icing on the cake. There's a there's an app called What Free Words. I don't know if you've heard of that, but yes, yes, I have. Yeah, you know, it, it sort of gives you three random words to describe a three meter square space, uh, so that you can instead of uh, what is it the the coordinate codes. And so when we we're on the land, we looked at what the three words were and where we were standing. The three words were occupy lands. Congratulations. <laughs> and I just, just felt God's humor. I just felt like God's having a little, a little giggle, you know. And and um, but this is the thing. 
I I I believe that that when God does something like that, when He answers a prayer, that it that it is a massive. It's it's not just God demonstrating His ability. I believe it's God declaring His intention. Mm. And so and so, when I've been in a dark spot, and there've been many mm. on the journey because it is unbelievably tough at times what i do is i i recall the things that god's done my wife writes them all in a book i've got some that i put on an app but but you but you go wait a second i know i know that i know that i know that god is in this Mm. i know that god has not changed his mind he doesn't change therefore even though the facts tell me what I'm doing is impossible, the truth is God's on the case. And I, I, that's probably been my, my biggest lesson over the last seven years hmm. is, is recalling the deeds of the Lord so that when you're faced with the impossible, you can go, I know it's impossible I know that there's nothing earthly that can turn this situation. However, I've been in this spot before and God's always, always come out for us. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so people that are listening to this may well be intrigued by this, this project that you're talking about. And we've all we've done is kind of allude to it. So I wondered if you could yeah. tell us, a little bit about the eternal rule of answered prayer. What's what? What are you up to, Richard? <laughs> it's a question I ask myself on a regular basis. What on, what on earth am I doing? Um, I, I suppose the heart of the idea is I want this nation to know that Jesus is alive and that He listens and He answers when we pray. I want to get prayer into the national discussion, into the national debate. And, and so often, you know, you look at the news feed on social media or, or, or you watch on the TV or listen to the radio, and it's just, it's just a whole lot of bad news. Mm. But we, we never hear any good stories. No. I was actually doing a uh, – this, this local radio station was like, oh, can you do the newspapers with us, like once a month? And they stopped doing it because I, I would only pull out – I refused to pull out any negative stories. I don't need to like positive ones, which took me a long, lot of time of prep, I can tell you. But so what we're doing is we're building um, a piece of public art like the Angel of the North. Yeah. And it's a giant infinity loop, which um, sort of arches 50 metres up into the skyline. So that's, that's quite big. That's like two Angel of the Norths on top of each other. And... Um, it's made up of a million bricks. And the concept is that every single brick will represent the story of answered prayer. So people will be able to point their phone at any brick and then using some state-of-the-art technology, their phone will light up and it will tell the people uh, the story of answered prayer that that specific brick mm. uh, tells. So, so what we hope then is two things. Firstly, visitors going past, we, and where it's based, um, in between the M6 and the M42 on the edge of Birmingham, 
about half a million journeys will go past it every week. So we're talking big numbers. And what our hope is that people will look at it and begin to learn that every single element of it represents an answer prayer. I mean, that in itself should convict and in, um, begin a sort of an internal process of considering whether prayer is powerful. And then, and then for people who come, we hope they'll be able to get their app, maybe type in whatever situation they're going through, whether it be loneliness or debt or ankylosing spondylitis, whatever it is, and find the stories that relate to their storm of the life and see how people have journeyed on that. Now, mm. I believe that God is more interested in the journey than the answer prayer. Mm. I, I, I believe if we want to align our hearts with God's heart, we should focus more on how we're journeying. Yes, yes. Than that actual answer to the prayer, more than the thing. And so what we'll do in the stories, some of them will be, you know, some of them are immediate. You know, we have one lady, single mum, praying for food for her house, on her knees saying, God, I need food. And she just finished the word food. Doorbell goes, man from Tesco's, you know, we've had an order on the street cancelled. Do you want this food for free? Now, that's amazing when those things happen. Yeah. Some are people who prayed for 50 years for something to happen. Yeah. And God's answered after many decades. But of course, some are, you know, we prayed, but the answer was no. Yeah. And 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 I think you get as much, you learn so much of God through that journey of the suffering and pain of of the no than than sometimes the yes. So we it's not a triumphal thing, but what we're trying to do is is take people on a journey so that they consider, so that they'll they'll consider when seeing this piece of public art whether they should involve prayer to Jesus as being part of their life. Mm. Mm. It's, it is good that you're not just saying, <clears throat> here's all the great things that God will give you. You ask for a thing and he gives you a thing and it's all good. Because I guess the more you get into prayer, the more you realize it's not really like that. And it's so much more. Complicated. Yeah. As you say, the journey, the journey is so important, isn't it? And sometimes that could be a moment. Sometimes it can be decades. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think um, what what I try and do now is even on the stories where God has answered prayers for me in the past, I, I reflect on them now and I learn, you know, I was thinking about a time when uh, we had no money in the house when I was in my first job mm. and I remember us praying over the cupboards and saying, Lord, let, never let these cupboards be bare and coming to a day when they were nearly bare and then almost indignantly and arrogantly saying to God hey wait a second this wasn't the deal and God very graciously used somebody to give some money to one of the people in the house to buy food and at the time we were like yeah you know isn't God amazing well I look back on that 30 years later in a different way I look at that answered prayer now and go oh my word I was so arrogant you know, and yet God was so gracious. Hmm. And so I, I think that we can, I, I think there's an 
an eternal power in in those stories of answered prayer for ourselves individually, but all, but also but also for others. And mm. you know, there's there's some great stuff written on um, unanswered prayer. Though I'm not sure I particularly believe in in that concept, but I think what they mean is you know when God doesn't answer on our timing or in the way that we like or yeah. so forth. But, you know, like Pete Gregg's done a great book on God on Mute. I think that's a great sharing of his of his journey. And we've got – so we, so we need to make sure with Eternal Wall that we're representing all those different facets. They're not always – I mean, I've shared some Hollywood stories, if you like, today. But, <laughs> of course, there, there are loads of times when it just doesn't work out the way that you expect. Mm-hmm. Um, I – I just want to check a couple of things with you. If people listening to this who may think, oh, I've got, I've got a story. I mean, have you got enough stories or do you want more stories? Do you want more testimonies? No. Yeah, we need a whole lot more. We okay. need a whole lot more. We, the aim is to get to about 200,000 by the time we open in okay. late 22. And then what we'll do is we'll light up the landmark to the extent that we have answered prayers. Okay. So as more come in over time, then it'll keep lighting up and moving. Right. But yes, any of your listeners, we're desperate for stories. Okay. Send us as many as you can. And um, the website's eternalwall.org.uk. Okay. Uh, um, and I just, I, I want to try and get a whole massive range of different types of story. A yep. million's a huge number. And um yes. I suppose it's imagining that maybe a young man or a young woman go to that monument, no understanding of who God is, yeah. but then find your story. And your story could be the story that inspires them to find the God who answers. Am I, am I right in thinking as well? Because we're recording this. I mean, I'm based in the UK, you're based in the UK, but you want stories from around the world, I presume. Yeah. Ab- you don't mind? Absolutely. What- don't mind. Don't mind where they're from. We're budgeting for about seven hundred and fifty thousand stories from the UK. Okay. Two hundred and fifty thousand stories from abroad. Okay. That's not a hard and fast rule. No. But we're also trying to capture stories from history. Okay. You know, like we we uncovered a story not long ago about a um, a guy who was raised from the dead in six hundred AD. You know, well let's let's put it in. You know, let's. Absolutely. Let's preserve the Christian heritage of what God's done in this nation. So yeah. any historical stories that people come across, we'd love as well. And uh, just to, to confirm with you as well, I get somebody who might think, well, I've, I've got a story of how God helped me, but it wasn't like that massive. It wasn't, but you still want to hear, you know, the little stories of how God has been gracious to people as well as raising people from the dead and all the rest. Yeah. Of yeah. Because, because, um, see, I, I believe that every time God answers a prayer, it's a gift from God. Mm. And, and of course, if God's hands on it, then it is amazing. And even though we think it's a little thing, it's still amazing. Yeah. Either God's in it or he's not in it. So yeah. I don't, I think that's probably part of our culture that we like to grade it, don't we? Yeah. Oh, this is a huge, massive story. But sometimes it's the little things. I mean, yeah. You know, it's it's here's here's something that we definitely don't have enough of. Um, 
you know, you look at you look at Solomon and he was commended for praying for wisdom. You know, and, and a lot of the stories we have are around things, materialism. Hmm. But surely prayers are more important around God refine my character. Hmm. You know, I'd, I'd I'd love to hear, you know, how how God has, you know, maybe prayed for patience, which is always a dangerous prayer, isn't it? But pray for patience and then and then tell us what happened you know pray for for boldness or strength or whatever it is yeah but, you know, we need a whole range because within a million stories I, I want to be i want to be representing who god is yes okay um am i right in thinking as well that you are needing budget like financial budget to put this thing up yeah absolutely absolutely that's that's uh that's always the gig isn't it yeah. Um, yeah. So we need we need finance. Um, we've we've done terrifically well with the money raised so far, and we are we are sort of hoping in September 2020 to go to the public and go, hey, this is how much we need now. But every single we're at the we're at this wonderful stage now where every single donation does physically pay for the structure. Okay. And uh, on all that, we're a registered charity and, and, uh, yeah, anything people can do, fantastic. And and once we're up and running, we will will generate profit from visitors coming. Visitors won't pay pay to come, but all the ancillary stuff. And that money will then go predominantly into social housing. So the idea is that for every brick in the eternal wall – Another brick goes into social housing, um, and then the, the rest of the profits will be distributed to other Christian charities and, and good work. Okay. So, fantastic! We we think it will generate a lot for yeah. for charity once we're up and running. Okay, um, and we're coming to a close now, uh, Richard. Is is there anything you want to say as a kind of parting thought to people who have who have listened to this and sort of stuck with it and? <laughs> Thank you for sticking with it. Well, I, I suppose I, I suppose I'd like to just um, encourage you on on two things or challenge you is is to actually spend some time thinking about has God answered a prayer for you, and to actually spend some time and reflect and think about those stories in in your past and what He's done. Yeah, and then. I just want to encourage you to tell somebody that story. Mm. Or when you meet somebody, ask them, has God answered a prayer for you? Because often I find in Christian communities, we're spending time with each other, but you often don't find out, well, I don't, or, or didn't used to, you know, find out people's individual stories. What, what has God done for you? And mm. just want to encourage you, you know, at the end of the day, Eternal Wall is is a tool, really, but we want to develop a a nation of storytellers where we can share with people the things that Jesus has done in our lives. Fantastic. And uh, so people who listen to this find out more, give you some support. How do they they find out more? What was that website? Uh, Yeah, so the website is eternalwall.org.uk. Or if if you search it on any social media, you should be able to find us. Okay. That's brilliant. Richard, thank you very much. For your time. What an inspirational story. And as you say, not, not triumphalist, 
real story and real power, real testimony to God. Wonderful. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Testimony Podcast. You can subscribe to the Testimony Podcast on all of the major podcast distributors and follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast and Instagram at TestimonyPodcast. If you want to find out more about the Christian faith and connect with someone to talk about your experiences or answer your questions, just go to www.christianity.org.uk from wherever you are in the world. That's www.christianity.org.uk. I look forward to sharing more of the stories that matter from people of faith with you soon. Until then, thank you for listening and goodbye.